Can you hear us tonight? Can you hear us tonight? I can hear you. Okay, Jeff hasn't said anything yet. I'm here. Hi, Jeff. Hi. We were talking last week. (laughs) Isabel, is it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. We were talking. um, We were talking last week a little bit about because Jeff had just got a nice sale. Yes. And uh, so I thought it'd be nice to maybe just talk about what it means to to be a practicing artist, I guess, and how the how that works out with. I don't know. I guess you know. Maybe, maybe maybe we could get Jeff to give a little bit of a background of his own kind have of. Have you have you explained to him what we do? What well, generally, I think you get the idea. <laughs> well, I know that you do a podcast. I don't know what the general direction is. Yeah. So we just talk about any subject that we come across, like any um, article you, about. Uh, well. Uh, links on Facebook, or if I go to a show, I I try to do a recording, or um, I t- we talk I talk about being an art student, um, and Mark is an engineer, and he's also, he's also uh, he also goes to all kinds your... of art shows, and so I'm just a windbag. <laughs> so we talk a lot, and we have. A good time just talking about art, and he was just telling me about uh, your wonderful painting, which I saw. Uh, he posted a picture of it, and it's just—I have to tell you—it's so amazing, and I'm so happy that you got to sell it. That's exciting. Yeah, well, um, I mean, I do sell with some regularity. Um, it's just. It's a little unusual to sell a big painting. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's, you know, the market's a little more limited for that kind of thing. Generally, larger works might end up going to collecting institutions as opposed to private individuals. But in this case, it looks like it was a private individual who bought it. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing that happens like once a decade. Aww. You know. So you went to Newfoundland to paint this painting? Did you paint it on site, or...? Well, no, that's a big painting. That's about five feet square. Um, um, but I did do sketches. Yeah, I went to Newfoundland many years ago, and uh, um, I did a series of small oil sketches when I was there, and I just took a lot of photographs. And um, when I returned... I spent about two years, I guess, kind of working on Newfoundland images off and on with, with other other landscape uh, motifs. I worked in, a, you know, a lot um, in those days with sort of a contemporary landscape sort of, you know, feel. And the landscape in Newfoundland is so striking. You live there, right? I lived six yeah. years in Newfoundland, and um, your painting just... It really spoke to me because uh, I used to love spending time on on the beaches when you when you could find them, um, and um, what I really loved about your painting is that it wasn't the traditional Newfoundland painting. Uh, your approach was new to me, so I got to experience it with. Uh, I mean, like just the light that's coming on the rocks in the middle of the beach and uh, the clouds that are almost like mountains themselves, um, echoing the mountains. It's and, and one orange rock right at the bottom that's like saying hello to the ridge of uh, the mountain that is also orange of the same color. It just... It was just uh, such a good painting. It blew me away, really. Well, they have that very interesting mountain there in Gross Morin. What's it called? Um, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget the name of it, but it's the one that's rust-colored because there's so much metal. Like there's iron. so much iron yeah. in, in the soil and nothing grows on it. You know that one? Yes, I, I know what you're talking about, and I 
I have been maybe once or twice to Grossmorn, so I don't remember. But they have all kinds in Newfoundland. They have beautiful names for places. Like I used to live near Blow Me Down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I camped at Blow Me Down. Believe me, the wind was wicked. Oh, that was my favorite camping spot. Yeah, yeah, there's a beautiful park there. Yes. Uh, yeah. Cook Bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, so you used to live in Newfoundland. You know where I used to live? Where? Echo Bay. <laughs> Echo Bay, that's awesome, where there's the uh, big uh, loony. Yeah, a long, long time ago. Yeah, and he also went to high school in the Sioux. My school's gone now, though. I went to collegiate. Ah. Yes, so you're a lot of people a don't collegiate anymore. Mm-hmm. A lot of people I talk to from the Sioux don't really remember collegiate anymore. Maybe they made it up. Yeah. <laughs> it's been gone for a long time. Yeah. Was, it, was it up on uh, Second Line? It was up, it was called, we called it the, we called it the dump on the lump, because it was up on the escarpment overlooking downtown, if you know what I mean. We drove there when we were there, we took a trip there once, and we drove in and, and checked that area out, and uh, there was a housing development there now. Yeah. Like, like townhouses or something. And it was, I guess we're getting off the point a little yeah. bit, but... Um, oh, no, I was going to get back to it, because I was going to ask if you actually took our, did, did you study our, yeah. going that far back? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. All the way through high school. Actually, um, our, that high school in the Sioux um, had an exceptional art teacher. There's a fellow artist here in London, um, oh God, Kim Moody, went to the same high school in Sioux St. Marie that I did, and he had the same art teacher, and I cannot remember her name, I'm sorry for the life of me, but she was exceptional, and um, the art um, classes that we took in high school there were kind of like post-secondary art training. Wow. So it was very good, very, very informative. And um, like she did things like took classes to New, you know, to New York City, all kinds of stuff. Wow, that's um, really neat. Yeah. Um, and, you know, back in the late 60s, that was something. You oh, know. yes. So, yeah. So, that's not being that, done that high anymore. School, that high school in the Sioux was well known for the visual arts, for sure. Like as much as Beale would have been here? Oh, yeah. yeah. Very cool. similar kind of setup. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. I also had one other thing. I was, um, when I lived, I also used to live in a little place called Webwood. And um, I went to high school in Espanola in grade 9. And they pushed me through both grade 9 and 10 art in the same year. So when I came down to the Sioux... I was actually a year ahead in the arts, in, in, you know, in art class for what it was worth, you know. But anyway, it's not, it's so long ago, it's hardly worth talking about. Yeah, it's probably not your, uh, your, your yeah. best in terms of training for art. And you did, you did financial college art later, later yeah. in life. Um, my arts education is fairly, fairly pedestrian. Um, Good studio education, though, I would say. Yeah, yeah, and it's just, um... Um, community college, a fine art program, uh, and design for two years also, which was kind of interesting. You think that's helpful in, like, what you do still to this day? Well, I think so. I think it informs what I do. I mean, um, my uh, images are very graphic. Um, yeah, they look like collage sometimes. Yeah, so, I mean, it's... Um, I, th- I think my graphic arts training kind of comes through a little bit in that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I guess in that you learn about a lot of stuff to do with like layout and design and proportions well, of things. It's, it's, it's all the same, right? Yeah, it's yeah. all the same. If you're dealing with anything visual, um, the same rules apply as far as composition, color, balance, how imagery works together. Um, I, and I, actually, when I studied um, design, I, I studied design before I studied fine art, but when I studied design, they had the wisdom to actually put us for part of our year in fine art programmings while we were studying design. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I bet they don't do that anymore. No, no, they, they don't. They don't. I know that for sure. I don't get any of that. 
any design training at all. Yeah, so Isabel's taking a course. She's sort of, I guess, you're taking like one or two courses a term at Algoma, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And you have some pretty good instruction there, you find? Oh, yes. In case you're listening, you can't say, oh, they're all crap. No, no. no. <laughs> Just kidding. But um, they might be a little bit still um, steeped in the traditional fine arts um, compared to what's, what, what is being shown right now in art galleries, you know? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, means, that means there's probably an emphasis on painting then. Lots of painting, lots of drawing. Printmaking. Uh, printmaking, yes. Basically, that's it. We do a little bit of uh, 3D work in special t- uh, studio topics. And in advanced studio, we can uh, choose anything um, that we would like to pursue. So it can be anything, really. You know, if you're interested in, in sculpture or fabric or, or textile art or land art or anything that you want to do, you can do it then at this point. Point. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty good program. And you get pretty good studio time, it sounds like, too. Oh, yeah. Um, that's all I do, basically. Or studio, yeah. But um, I, I was curious, um, Jeff, what do you think uh, about uh, the fact that uh, maybe painting is not as uh, common anymore? What, what do you think about that? There was a concern um, a number of years ago for me because I, I knew what was happening and um, on... Um, you know, painting was being purposely left out of major curatorial decisions um, by major um, gallery institutions, places like the Whitney in New York, that kind of thing, because it was just considered kind of old-fashioned. If we go back to the 90s, the late 90s, um, was considered um, kind of an old-fashioned form of expression, and everyone was very um, enamored with um, what was emerging with the new digital technology Um, and the emergence of of the new strength in photography as a visual medium and, and the way digital technology allowed uh, photographers to create these quite gigantic photographic images. I'm thinking of Jeff Wall, yeah. stuff like that, which that were very, to me, they were painting. It was very much like painting, had the same kind of dramatic images you might find in painting, um, and such a lush use of imagery, color, compositional elements, all very much about painting, so in a way those big photographs were the new painting. So painting itself kind of suffered for a while, but you know what, I think it's past, and I think um, painting has um, bounced back a little bit and gained a little bit of respect, and um, you know, there's a, um, there's kind of a flight to quality in the visual arts now. People are, um, you know, well, not just the visual arts, there's this whole fascination with building things with your hands, and and it's kind of a reaction to, uh, you know, a reaction to contemporary technology. Um, people wanting to go back to more human forms of um, expression or how to, you know, occupy themselves or whatever. So, um, you know, I think I was really worried for a while, um, but I'm not so worried anymore. I think it's going to be okay. And that was around the time, too, we should mention that Jeff also did some performance art as well. So you were trying to get in on other areas of art, too, right? Yeah, get in there. (laughs) Well, well, I always did that. I, 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 I did, um, you know, I've primarily been a painter, but I've done 
um, installation work, um, I've done performance art uh, in the past. So I have, to, I have done other things and, you know, I sort of understand, um, you know, contemporary forms of expression. I don't turn my back on them. I don't consider it, you know, lesser or anything, but um, I have done those things. I think we may have mentioned that before um, we were talking about the forest the size of France, which is a, a reference to that area where you live, where you live yeah. in a forest the size of France. And, and Jeff had built, yeah. a, you know, bought all these artificial Christmas trees and built a forest and built all these little... It was really cool. Well, I, yeah, it was an installation piece. And it was, I don't know how successful it was, but it was an installation piece I did a number of years back. That was about my experience being a boy and growing up in North Mon in Northern Ontario, and it was called uh, a forest the size of France because the boreal forest in Ontario alone is the size of the country of France, occupies the same space. So I thought that was kind of a staggering uh, statistic. So I ended up building Echo Bay out of um, styrofoam and plaster. I made all the little buildings I remember from a kid, the gas station, the general store, the kinds of houses, and I just made this little town. <laughs> then I just started gathering and gathering artificial Christmas trees, and I built this forest out of artificial Christmas trees in the shape of the country of France and then put this little town on the edge of it. And I did other things. There was other elements to it. Like I made a suit that appeared to be completely made out of birch bark. And I wore the suit. He painted it. I forgot about that. Uh, you know, I bought a suit and I painted it to make it look like birch bark. And yeah, I it was an Italian suit. He spent $5,000 on the suit and he painted it. I still have it. I still have the suit. I think that probably came from the Goodwill, actually. Yeah, I did. I did. And I would wear the birch bark suit and then do performance pieces, uh, storytelling for the most part, uh, with the with the visual exhibition as a backdrop. And you know, this is an interesting segue too, because I remember back long when you were doing that. That's when I was sort of first introduced to Joseph Boys, and we had talked about him and you and I, um, Isabel. And I, I remember you, you saying that he was a pretty. You seeing his installation yeah. in New York was pretty influential, and, and I see a connection there. Well, you know, you see a lot of weird and wonderful things in the visual arts. Um, you know, you go to big cities and you go to major galleries, and you'll see a bunch of you'll see some pretty strange things. <laughs> and you've got to have a benchmark. You've got to have something that has informed your, you know, informed you, and will allow you to sort of rule what is good and what isn't good, at least in your eye. And it can, and um, way back when I was in art school, we went to New York and we saw a major Joseph Boys exhibition at the Guggenheim. And it had all, it was like, it just had everything. It had, you know, the Volkswagen minibus with uh, sleds and the flashlights coming out the back and, on each sled was a flashlight, a chunk of tallow fat, and a rolled up blanket of felt and everything. It had, like, it was just a major, huge retrospective of his whole career. There was um, pianos wrapped in felt, a giant hunk of tallow fat the size of a transport truck. It's just, it's just really weird, weird, and, you know, amazing things. The kind of things that you would think were pretty weird if you had no, no, you know, reference, but I found the show very moving and um, what just quite striking. What was it? That, um, um, you really like tallow. <laughs> you could eat it um, <laughs> at the Guggenheim in New York. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, uh, long story short, it gave me my benchmark for judging contemporary art and you know I could go into galleries and look at you know strange pieces of installation work or video work or whatever and I could think well you know what this is okay but it's no, it's Joseph, no Joseph Boy, Boy so yeah. you know um, 
you know, once in a while you get exposed to something that can really sort of um, leave a mark on you, and that was certainly one of them. Now, did you know much about Boy's oh. work before seeing that exhibition? Not really. Not really. Did you know the context of him, like... I knew he was a teacher. And he also, I mean, the whole, he was rescued and wrapped him. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And that was evident in the uh, exhibition, of course. He was a, a fighter pilot or something during the war, and he was shot down in Poland. And the peasants sort of saved him. Right, I think right, that's right, the right. story I heard. Yeah. I don't know how much there was to it. But. After that, he, he wore, he wore a, a white shirt and a hat. Yeah, that was his uh, that was his trademark. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I don't totally dig that, but you know. <laughs> he, he only like birch suits. <laughs> well, you know, I've 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 been an artist all my life. Thirty five years I've been a practicing artist, but I've never liked artsiness. Oh, you know, I don't. I'm distrustful of artsy artsy fartsy people. And in, in my experience, most serious artists are not the least bit artsy. So, um, you know, when, whenever I meet an individual or come into a situation that is creative or artistic or artsy, I kind of think, oh, God, you know, <laughs> so, uh, you, know so, you know, the idea that boys sort of had a uniform that he wore uh, I always think that's maybe a bit foppish. Alexander <laughs> Calder did that too, though. Well, he wore the same clothes. Right. The story is Calder wore, he had a number of them, but he had basically one kind of pair of pants and one kind of shirt. And he had like a dozen of each, and he so every day he just wore the same thing. <laughs> Which... And it was just regular flannel shirt. It's like, what shirt I'm wearing now? Yeah. Guess, yeah. So, I don't know. I don't. That's right, that's right. You don't have to make any decisions first thing in the AM. Yeah. Well, you know, keep life simple, I guess. <laughs> so, from your experience, I mean, you've, I've known Jeff for a long time. Um, he was my first real introduction to somebody who was an artist, and that kind of freaked me out probably a little bit when I was, I was really young. I was only about, I think, 20 when I met him. And, uh, I guess... What am I getting at here? Um, I, I don't know. Like you've you've always managed your career to do what it is to, to keep it going. To you, you've never kind of completely abandoned working at a job, and I think that that's probably it's fairly almost impossible to to not to, to do otherwise. Um, yes. Isabel. Yes. Uh, just so you know. Yes. No big deal. I'll tell you what. No, it's a big deal. I'll tell you what. My, <laughs> I'm, I'm a, I'm an artist with a regional profile. That's all I really am. Um, you know, I'm not known on the national level. Uh, you know, I might be skirting that kind of thing, but it isn't quite there yet. But I'm really just. My career is basically within Southwestern Ontario. I'm known in this region, and but not much beyond it. So I, sure. you know, so it's just you know you got to put put things into perspective. And the other thing I think what Mark was touching on is, uh, you know, I've never made a living um, from my art. I mean, it's getting better. Supplemental, all the time. you know. Oh yeah, no, and it's getting better all the time. Um, as I get older, it's actually kind of picking up steam. I guess if you stick at it long enough, eventually people start 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 to notice. So I've always had to have a day job. Yes. Uh, but I purposely um, never worked full time. Um, all, all the jobs I've had, and I've had some fairly responsible jobs. I, actually, I continue to work. I still have a job. Um, um, but I managed to work them as, say, three days a week, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I have to work more, but generally three to four days a week tops, and that's always allowed me um, time to work in the studio and keep um, my artistic career chugging, you know, chugging along um, for you know, you know, you know, at a, you know, at its own kind of putsy pace, right? <laughs> um, but 
because I've always worked a day job, it's allowed me a little bit of luxury in my life as opposed to, say, the life of the starving artist. So, you know, I can take a vacation, I own a vehicle, I own a house, you know, like I own my studio. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's furnished me with a lot of good things, even though I always sort of cursed the fact that I had to have a day job. Um, but, you know, a lot of artists do. I'm not special because of that, you know. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's like, I think it would be pretty much impossible to do it otherwise. In Canada, it's strange because, yeah, you kind of have to work. Like, a lot of my contemporaries, they, they teach in colleges, or they're high school art teachers, or they're university profs in fine art departments. And, you know, those are fairly tough, demanding jobs. And it's yes. difficult to hold down a serious teaching job and keep your art career going. It takes a lot. Yeah, I would think yes. that would be pretty difficult. So, you know, it's always a struggle, for sure. Mm -hmm. You know. I was just reading an article about... Um, art in Canada, and uh, this article was saying that, um, uh, do you remember, Mark? Yes, yes, the, I, I was just scanning through it, but like I said to you, I was looking at it on my phone, and it was kind of a little bit too intense for me to take it off, and I really... It was very intense, it was basically... It was class that, in art. Uh, yeah, that um, art in Canada is um, monopolized or led by academics that it's it's class driven, driven. And, uh, and then if you were if you're born into sorry yes i was just gonna say if you're born into money it's a lot easier for you to be an artist than if you're just a struggling guy like jeff basically working a job and trying to be an artist at the same time yeah. Yeah. Saying that the idea of creativity was, was a made-up thing uh, by hippies <laughs> of the 60s. Well, I mean, I guess there's some truth to that. This idea that everyone can or should be creative, it's good for you, it's good for your soul. You know, I guess those kind of crunchy granola sentiments are, are you know, or sentiments are, you know, are of value, but, um, you know, making art is different than that, and I think what, what a lot of people don't realize. Like, people will say to me, oh, well, you're an artist. Wow, that must be great. must be just a lot of fun going to the studio every day and, you know, uh, being creative, and, you know, you must just have a great time. And I just, and I say, no, I, I don't have a great time. It's, it's work for me. Just like anything else. Yeah, and, you know, like anything you take seriously... It's work. So, um, like, um, my studio practice for me is a struggle. I don't find painting fun. When I go to my studio, when I'm walking there, I, I'm thinking of dozens of places I'd rather be. Um, in the summer, I go trudging off to my studio while all my friends have gone to the beach or gone camping, etc., etc., um, and there I am sitting in my little building in East London working on paintings. So it's not fun. It's work. Uh, I find it, it, it's grief a lot of the time. But that said, it's also very re, uh, rewarding in the end, and that's what keeps you going. So you're, you're, it's, um, it's a compulsion it's, um, you're, you're driven to do it, but you're not driven by enjoyment. You're driven by something else that's a little more difficult to put your finger on. And I mean, it's not just about creating art. You've got to build stretchers. You've got to frame. Yeah. You know, unless, you've, unless you're so established that you've got a studio assistant doing all that stuff for you. But who's got that, right? Well, How's anyone had that? But nobody I know. Yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, it's, you know, that old, that old saw that it's, um, you know, 90% perspiration and 10% inspiration is pretty much a true. 
you know, people will ask you, well, where do you get your ideas? And, you, you know, well, ideas are a dime a dozen, you know. Ideas aren't a problem. The, the real work within your head is sorting through your ideas and, and, and uh, curating your ideas, learning to discern which ones are going to be the good ideas and which ones you're just wasting your time with. Yeah. Back when I was doing it, I found that I was, the ideas really come rapidly when you're doing it. Like it's always, you're always thinking about it, dreaming about it even, because I mean, that's the sort of person I am, is I get obsessed with things and I dream about them. And, <laughs> what I found though was that if I didn't think of the same thing independently on three occasions, I wouldn't follow it up. Uh, that oh was, yeah, that that's was, a good idea. That was kind of my rule of thumb, because you think, you know what, you can, you could just do everything, right? But you get all these ideas and some of them are not, they're probably more harebrained than others, shall we say. It's funny because um, I feel that um, I guess I've only been an artist. I guess I, I, I have a hard time calling myself that. <laughs> but um, for three years, and um, to me, you make it shoot. To me uh, grabbing my canvas and going out in the summer painting outside is just the most fun thing ever. Well, I, I would argue that you like doing that, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, I paint outdoors, too. And, yeah, that's a bit of a different thing. Um, but, um, you know, there are there were times when I was driving out of the city thinking, ah, you know, i got to do this again. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just that you live in southwestern Ontario and the landscape is a kind little of boring. boring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to move back to Sault Ste. Marie where there's cows everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh I don't know what that is, but uh, I guess I, I had to be working on uh, my drawing because I don't know if you know the artists uh, Dave, David Garneau. David Garneau. Yeah, the name's familiar. And Clément Yeh. I don't know if you know them. Yeah, I don't know that name. They came and did a studio visit, and they told me that I couldn't draw, basically. So, uh, for oh, the next right. two years, I've been working on drawing constantly. So, uh, last summer I was looking for cows, because cows move all the time. They're always doing something, so they, they're a very interesting uh, subject. Well, they're actually quite hard to draw. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. We I used to see drawing paintings of cows. I would see in in like thrift stores and Salvation Armies. Like somebody had done a painting of cows, and they always put long grass around the bottoms of their feet. No one can do hooves. No one can paint hooves. <laughs> Can't paint hooves. <laughs> it behooves me. Well, they're they're hard also to draw because they're constantly moving. Like they don't look like they are because when we're driving. We have this illusion that they're we're going going still, years, yeah. right? Yeah, we're going fast, and they're they're moving. It's slow, but they're moving. <laughs> yeah. Have you done uh, a much figure drawing as well? Then I find figure drawing when I was I found that was the the thing that really was good for kind of getting oh, your chops, goodness. like good scales in music. I, right? I have to work, work at that. that. This we done. We did um, four four uh, model sessions. And uh, I will do more. I have to constantly be working on that, yeah. I liked it because we would do, um, they would ramp it up. Like, you'd, they'd start off with, like, I don't think we ever did 30-second drawings, but we might have. Oh, yes, I do. Then one minute and two minute and five minute and ten minute and, you know, eventually 20 minutes where you could actually start to try to get some detail in there. Yeah. I was never really great at it, but I really liked it. And, in fact, I like the faster ones better where you're just trying to capture the gestures. Mm-hmm, the energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, we're up here in uh, northern Ontario, and we don't get a chance to meet that many people or uh, to exchange ideas. So, this podcast for me has been wonderful because um, Mark is always bringing new ideas uh, Oh, like, for example, uh, Ellsworth Kelly, we were talking about him. Uh, I, I wasn't really attracted to this kind of stuff, but through Mark, I'm starting to 
open, you know, my horizon. It's not as cold as it looks on the surface. Horizon slip. I think it's not as cold as it looks on the surface. Mm-hmm. It does look cold, but I think yeah. if you're interested. Well, there's an interesting, um, you know, there's an interesting thing that that happened within, say, painting in North America, like within the history of painting in North America, is there was kind of a duality that um, was able to hang around here for a long time. Um, where you think of the great abstract painters, um, like say, for instance, Jackson Pollock, uh, was pretty revolutionary painting in its day, um, yet he was, he could exhibit alongside a painter like, say, Edward Hopper. Oh, yes. They both painted at the same time. That's interesting. And had equal respect. Even though Hopper was more or less doing 19th century painting. And you can, see, you can make the same parallel with our own group of seven um, and Tom Thompson. Um, they were doing 19th century paintings. Um, I mean, somewhat souped up, but basically kind of old-fashioned paintings for the era. Um, but um, there's a theory that this happened in North America because um, we were still translating this relatively new um, landscape, um, new to European eyes, um, and we were st still translating it into sort of a European landscape, you know, visual art landscape tradition. Mm -hmm. And it takes a long time to wear that out. So while abstraction and pure modernism were exploding out of Europe, people like Picasso and all that, um, North American painters were, were sort of allowed to hang back and stick with this representational, you know, urban or landscape sort of uh, painting style, yet still have the respect of the um, um, avant-garde art community because of what they were doing. So it was a weird thing that was going on here. And in a way, it's still, it's still yeah, happening. I was just thinking that. Yeah, it's still I mean, even your own painting, in a way, fits into that, right? Yeah, well, those are my influences. Like, I love uh, the American scene painters, painters like Edward Hopper. This is the famous um, boxing painter. Uh, well, that was Bellows, George, George Bellows. Bellows. That was... Um, that was the Ashcan school, which came yeah. before um, the American scene painted. But Grant Wood, Charles Birchfold, um, all that kind of stuff. And, of course, our own group of seven. Um, Christina's World. Well, yeah, Wyeth and all that. So it's, it's a funny tradition. There were, there are, I guess the best way to put it is there are parallel traditions. Um, in painting. Do you um, place your style in, in neo-expressionist? Uh, I, um, I don't know. I don't think so. I think at one point I was considered a neo-expressionist painter in this city. Um, but I don't think I'm doing that anymore. Um, and I don't know. I don't think about that too much. I don't, um, you know... Uh, I to, just, to me, your newer paintings, they're, they're, there's a more graphical element to it than you would say would be neo-expressionist. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, you're looking at that one from Newfoundland, that's fairly old painting, right? Like, that's mm -hmm. like at least 10 years old. Right? Oh, more, yeah. Oh, two. Yeah, yeah. So it, that's going back. So, you know, maybe we should uh, get you to take a look at some of the paintings from above, for example. Is, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, that's something I wanted to ask you. Um, I read your Wikipedia page, and it said that you were really interested in um, making uh, paintings from above. Yeah, well, Why is that? if you go to my website, you'll see examples of all this stuff. But I, um, for a great number of years now, one of my main subject matters has been um, um, figurative paintings, Paintings of people, but the they're depicted directly from above. Mm. So you're looking down on the tops of people's heads, um, that kind of thing. Jeff had a studio on Dundas Street in London. You know London because you lived here for a while, right? Yes. And 
and it was a fairly busy area, and he had a second floor studio space for a couple of, like, two or three years. Yeah. And a great spot to just <laughs> hang out hang out the window and take pictures of people walking by on the street, and that's where a lot of that comes from. Actually, yeah, the place actually had a weird little balcony that I could step out on. photograph <laughs> people while they were waiting for the bus. And it was a bit creepy, but <laughs> I did. Um, and so I just got fascinated with... Um, um, the look of the human figure from above, it's, it, it's very, it's very unusual when you actually study it, how big people's shoulders are, and, and like all the weird ways that your hands and legs kind of flip out from under you as you walk along, if you're viewed directly from above. So I got fascinated by it. And also, at the time, I was getting really bored with landscape, and I really wanted to get away from anything to do with the horizon line. Yeah. This allowed me that, um, and I was able to, um, when I depict these figures, I don't put any shadow or anything underneath them, So they and I sort of set them on these kind of very plain and sometimes um, these grounds that have kind of uh, abstract elements um, flowing around the figure. So... Um, it almost looks like the figure is floating in a, in a kind of a, a strange sort of uh, weird universe. Um, and I, to me, they look like they're falling away from you. Um, and so anyways, that's what I got into, and I still do that. Um, and I have an exhibition right now in St. Thomas, Ontario, of those paintings. Um, and it's um, something that I've you know, got kind of fascinated with it, and it's proven proven to be um, kind of a long-lasting subject for me. I haven't got bored of it yet. The interesting thing, too, is that your size on those are all kind of similar, right? Like, you've pretty much kept them all, like, about three feet by three feet. Yeah, they're what I would consider a medium-sized painting. They're not, but some of them are bigger. Okay, so you've done different sizes. And so some are smaller, but generally, yeah, they're sort of a tabletop size. Have you done any sketch paintings of those? Few. A few, like small paintings. I don't know if I've yeah. seen those. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing, but now I've got another project that I've just started, Isabel. It's going to take me about two years to produce enough work to even think about exhibiting it. But okay. I'm, um, I guess I've kind of gone back to the horizon line, <laughs> but I'm, I'm taking um, urban images of Detroit and Havana, and I'm colliding them and um, doing sort of mashups on like programs like Photoshop and GIMP and then going to the canvas from there. So what I'm doing is I'm taking cityscapes of Detroit and dropping elements of Havana um, into them and vice versa cityscapes of Havana and dropping elements of Detroit into them. So, um, this is my new project, um, and we'll see oh, how it okay. goes. I've seen a few of them. I think they're pretty successful, and I think it's the sort of thing that you've got. I mean, as you explore it, you'll, you'll, there's a lot of avenues and a lot of side roads to go down, as it were. Well, actually, the, the first three paintings that I have underway, I think, are could be maybe the best paintings I've done in a long time. So, we'll have to see how it shakes out. Um <laughs> It's hard to be objective about these things, but every once in a while you know, right? Yeah, well, you know, you just know when it's going right, um, because it goes wrong so often. <laughs> <laughs> the problem that I've found, and, and it's not just like my own experience, but watching other people who work, and especially amateurs, is that they don't know when to stop. Mm -hmm. You know? They, they, like, there's a, at some point, you've got a nice glowing painting, but yet you're going to still pile more paint on it, and yeah, you're going to make it look amateur. And that, that's the difference to me between a, a, a pro and an amateur painter is somebody that knows when to stop. Well, the other thing is, like we were talking earlier about whether it's fun or not, and, you know, it's, you know, it's always a struggle. That's the thing. It's always kind of a struggle, right? And um, just when you think, oh, you got this down to a science, you can bang these things out, nah, you know. <laughs> um, and um, so... You know, but that's the way it should be. 
um, if you're having, if things are giving you a hard time, and you like, if you always, I don't know about yourself, but if you, if you feel like you're just on the edge and that you don't really quite know what you're doing, um, you're always kind of off balance. Mm-hmm. I think that's exactly where you want to be. Oh. That's the good place to be because you're not, you know, always be in doubt. Have doubt. Uh. You've got to have doubt. You've got to, you've got to be your own worst critic. Yeah. Um, you cannot fall, don't fall in love with what you're doing. Oh, no, I, I don't. Right. You oh, cannot, I mean, that's, I that, that's the kiss of death, right? But at the same time, you don't want to be self-deprecating continually either, though, right? I don't know. I think it's your job as an artist to be self-deprecating. You should be your own worst critic, I guess. I think yeah. you should be. But on the other, on the other side, once you know you've done something right, then stand by it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you know it's good, don't let anyone else tell you that it's crap. <laughs> so you find that you've made thousands of paintings over your history of making paintings and you still find that there's most of them aren't your favorite and some of them are your favorite? Kind of like yeah, the percentage of ones that you're less less satisfied with is yeah. greater than 50%. I forget who the artist was that said I've always, I've exhibited all my mistakes. <laughs> No, there's a lot to be said for that. Or you know what? Um, the the great portrait painter John Singer Sargent, yeah. when asked what a portrait was, and uh, his quote was, "A painting with something wrong with the mouth." <laughs> and you know, so there's a guy, even John Singer Sargent, He's like one of the best painters ever walked the earth. Yeah, and he would just always struggle. You know, so I think you know, I think if it's it's if it's a struggle. And you feel a little off kilter. That's kind of where you should be, I think. Well, well I pretty much always feel like that, but at the same time, I do enjoy totally being immersed into painting. And the occasional successful one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As Jeff said, the rewards are, are big when they come out. Oh, yeah, and, like, you know, people don't see all the crap that you make, right? Because you bury that. Um, you know, they only get to see all the good ones, right? Mm-hmm. You know, well, I actually show everything I make because I make it a point of um, every time I do something, I take a picture of it and I put it in an album on Facebook so people can see the progress. And also see that um, um, doing art is not—it's not—it's not, it's not uh, something I don't know, I don't know what to say, like something magical or something that you know yeah. you need talent necessarily for. You, you just need to be working hard and and you make mistakes and you make paintings that look like crap and then other ones that are okay and then. People comment on the progress, and you know, like so. I've always done that. Oh, I think it's a good thing to do. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it's good to get feedback from other people. Oh yeah, it's it's always a bit awkward. My my paintings are always there's always an awkward element in there. Um, it's still very raw. Very raw. I'm very raw still. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, it's not distilled at all. It's not uh, graphic. I'm not graphic. I'm. I'm very uh, emotional and uh, expressive. And uh, I'm trying to work figurative el- elements. Uh, but I started really loving abstract, and I still do love abstract. Uh, but now I'm working on putting figurative elements, so it's it's uh, it's an evolution, and I am like that. I do pick at everything, and I'm never completely happy with anything I do, even though I get top grades all the time. But I I don't care, you know. Like I always feel like. No, no, I need to do another 20 of those, you know, before I... It reminds, 
Reminds me of, uh, there's a Spanish cellist, Pablo Casals, and when he was 93, he was asked why he continues to practice the cello three hours a day, and he said, I'm beginning to notice some improvement. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot to be said for that, right? Yeah. Like, never never think that you're as good as you're going to get, because you're always going to be, I don't know, it's not necessarily how much this technique even really mean. I mean, technique's important, but... You know, it goes beyond that, I think, like exploring your ideas. Hey, Mark, today, you know what I did? I did something really fun <coughs> with um, <coughs> a graduate from our, from our program. program. Her name is Katie, and she's uh, at Windsor now. Uh, in, she's doing her master's in fine arts. And um, she came up for the holidays, and we decided to get together and do a collaboration so we set up the parameters. We had seven parameters, and the last one, we decided that we would leave it to the end and try to find what it would be when we'd be there. So uh, we both brought a book, and we each other we gave it to each other, and we opened a page and picked uh, the words that were there, and we wrote them on a piece of paper. That's and cool. then uh, we exchanged some old art that we both had made. So she gave me some of her art and I gave her some of mine. And we started painting on top and layering whatever we had, whatever material that we brought. But she's in Windsor now or is she... Uh, no, she's here visiting in Sault Ste. Marie. Oh, okay. So she has family there. Yeah, she has like family some in Sault Ste. Oh, so that's cool. That's interesting. Another thing we said, no paintbrushes. Ah. So we had to use whatever we had. And then um, we read uh, a manifesto that she had. <laughs> I don't know which one. Uh, it was about maintenance. Uh, and a woman, it was a manifesto of a woman who, after that, she never made art ever again. <laughs> The word manifesto and art just like oil and water. <laughs> so she, she she wrote a manifesto and then never made anything afterwards. Yes. Oh. The manifesto that finished my art career or something like that. So, that's, a, that's the way to go go down in flames, I guess, right? She she locked herself up in a room and did and had all kinds of artwork that came out of that uh, and her name is it sounds like ukulele but it's Ulrike or something like that yeah I don't think I know that name anyway we she she knew about it I didn't even read it so um, and we had to bring a food item uh, to include into the our paintings and then we did drawings. Like once we were done, re the the making of the remaking of each other's uh, artwork, we made drawings based on these two new things, and like quick gestural drawings. So that's what you were doing this afternoon. Yeah, that's what I did for three hours. Yeah, when you were texting me, that's where I was. I was finishing that. That's cool. And I'm looking at, I looked at them, uh, I took pictures, and they look like fun, they're fun, we, we had fun, we, you know, like, it was, it was kind of hard to, to be, because I gave her a painting that I made of myself as a little girl from a photo <laughs> I had, you know. <laughs> Whoa, what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. yeah that's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I, I've always... Have you ever done collaborative work with anyone? Nah. I, I'm I just want to be left alone. Yeah, no, I get that too. I get that too. <laughs> but I, I think it's a challenge just to be to come see what comes up. Like I know, like some of these comic artists, the, you know, like Mark Bell and oh, yeah, Jason yeah. McLean and that, they would do this across the country. Like they would mail the piece back and forth. So they one guy like Jason lived in uh, Vancouver and and Peter Thompson I think or I don't remember who he was with lived in in London here and they would mail it back and forth and what they did was they purposely tried to make to draw using the finest point 
pen that they could to make the address so that it was unreadable, so it was so small that they couldn't even see it. And they would just see how small they could get it and still get it to get returned. And, and, they did, and then they would get it and they would, they would, they would add to it and then mail it back and forth. So it was, it, I mean, that's stuff now everybody would just do it electronically, right? But, of course, but, yeah. but that was, that's kind of cool, though. I like that. It's sort of, well, my ex-wife, Cindy, used to work on my painting. She used to paint on my painting. She's your assistant. Yeah, she, she just, there's some, probably, probably a better painter than you. Some painting, oh, she, <laughs> Cindy was a perfectly good painter. There's um, some paintings in my rack where I, I could show you the part that Cindy painted. Yeah, she, yeah. That's cool. We did that a little bit anyway. So. But, no, I've been pretty much the rugged individualist for most of my career. Just kind of want to be left alone and not bothered and... <laughs> <laughs> not, have to, not have to deal with other people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just go, go on my grumpy way. Oh, and you're <laughs> a sweetheart to come out and talk to us. Oh, I know, you know, like most artists, love to blather on about the work. But, uh, you know, the other thing about painting and, well, you know, painting, drawing, uh, you know, those sort of handmade, two-dimensional mediums, is there's you've, you're standing on top of so much history. Yeah, that's true. You know, um, if you're doing digital photography or uh, you know digital video, um, uh, you know video installations, the amount of history that you have on your shoulders is nothing compared to someone who paints. And so you've you've got all that helping you and working against you at the same time. Um, and, you know, and, you know, I think the secret is to, uh, to be able to, to use that, use the history, know what you like, what influences you, um, but don't let it uh, weigh you down too much and, you know, keep an open mind and keep, abreast of what's going on in the art world and allow allow trends and um, current sort of issues to sort of buffer you or push you around a little bit uh, but but still trying to sort of stay true to what you want to do and uh, you know it's just dealing with all that history that's behind you I mean all the great art that people have done over all the centuries and, you know, trying to find your place and all that is, yeah. you know, it's pretty daunting. It yeah. can be. Yeah. I'd rather not think about that too much. Yeah, I just do it. <laughs> oh, you know, I think about it all the time. I think about it all the time. It's like death. You know, oh. you got, I don't know, I think, you know, I think, you know, to function as an artist, you got to think about death every day. Yeah, you got a picture. <laughs> picture. You wake up to a next. You wait. First thing you see when you wake up every morning is a picture of Pablo Picasso. <laughs> like Ed Grimley had. Uh, what's his name? The guy from. Uh, the guy from. Um, oh, Vanna White's show was that. that oh, the yeah. yeah, the TV host. Yeah, yeah he was yeah. Pat Sajak. Pat he was completely obsessed with Pat Sajak. Yeah. I've got a picture of Pablo Picasso. First thing I see every day. Yeah. Right. Uh, you could blather on forever about this stuff. Yeah, that's true. We could probably wind her down. We've been going for almost an hour here. Yeah. Right. But thanks so much for, for talking to us, Jeff. Oh, oh no Jeff, problem. thank you so much. Yeah, nice to meet you online, Isabel. Nice and you know what? You. Just one yeah. thing I will say before we, we, we quit this is that um, when you're here next, we definitely want to do a studio visit at uh, Jeff's studio. I don't know if you let us. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he doesn't let anyone in. That's all right. I know the code. Anyway, that's a weird Flintstones reference. But 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 I don't know. You're probably not here for the holidays this year because Madeline just came. Like, you're probably not here again until like Easter or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, I'll probably in be in the spring. Okay. Well, we'll keep in touch for sure. And and I think that would be a good opportunity to go and see some of the stuff because it's, sure. it's nice to see it in person, right? Like. And you know, by then I'll have a, uh, at least a decent number of these. Um, of these uh, De Travana images that I'm working on. Um, so there'll be something to look at anyways, you know. Oh, that's wonderful. Have you any snow in the suit? Yes, a little bit. But oh, I don't know if it's a good day. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I guess Nothing gotta... here. 
Yeah, it's supposed oh. to be longer down here, too. Yeah. Anyway, you have a great... Well, I would love to come up to the zoo, but I haven't been up in a while. Yeah, it'd be a good time to go back. But I won't go. I won't come up in the winter. You know where we stayed when we? I was up there. We stayed. I was camping with Jeff actually once up there at that same campground that you guys go to at the Lake Superior. Yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful spot. Yes. All right, fellows. Okay. Okay. Thanks again, and we will talk soon. And have a happy holiday. I don't know that we'll talk probably before that again, but uh, happy holidays. Say hi to everyone there for me, and uh, good night. Okay. Good night. Bye bye.